Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome again to another episode of Talk Architecture Podcast. We are continuing the part three installation of what is the direction of Malaysian schools of architecture. Yesterday, I was having a little chat at a side with an architect who is a, a director of a company, um, which is a growing company in Malaysia, who was formerly um, my student um, at University of Malaya. And he was mentioning about one of the problems is the emergence of other profession or other uh, not profession, but more of um, careers or other um, businesses that is taking away business from the architects. And it's all under the issue of professionalism. He asserted that uh, professionalism is lacking in Malaysia and that the Malaysian public or generally people I don't understand about what professionalism is. Well, I was trying to tell, tell him in the beginning that professionalism is about taking things personal or not personal. But that actually he was correcting me. And he said, no, no, not that. It's the one regarding uh, appreciating the professionals, basically. Um, the role of the professionals, such as the architect, which is registered and is by law is responsible or the legal aspects, the profession, and all these other issues because you have architectural designers or contractors who will get a job from the, uh, you know, a renovation of a property. This is more of the lower end or lower spectrum of architecture practice uh, to do with retrofitting, to do with uh, renovations. So, um, you know, the pie is, there is a pie and some pies are more of the lower end. So this is the economic pie, which is constantly being uh, eaten away by others, such as what I said just now. So uh, what the contractor would do, who could be someone who was educated in architecture and became an architecture designer only. So they became like a design and build professional and they, they got the jobs and they would get an architect to sign the, the uh, documentation for approval by the local authority. And then and they would sometime often then not um, ask for a lower fee than an architect. And the issue is design. The issue is um, well, that's what he suggested, that um, they won't pay, um, clients won't pay for design. So whose fault is it? I suggested that the fault is in the architect, uh, but he said, no, the fault is somewhere else. Um, I mean, who is protecting the architect in this respect? I'm sure Pertubahan Architect Malaysia, the Malaysian institution or institute of architect has dealt with this issue before and which ministry is what. So we know that 
acts or the legislative um, part or the legislative piece uh, that covers a certain domain, such as the, the, the things to do with the professional domain of the architect is under the Architects Act. But when it comes to um, uh, practices or businesses in the architecture profession, there are a lot of loopholes or there are a lot of gaps in which other profession could take advantage of. What does this have to do with the topic today? Uh, what is the direction of Malaysian schools of architecture? I would like to just open up this discussion to to back to where we were before, where we were talking about, um, shall I say, uh, um, if you have an education that is broad-based, the, after the first degree, the graduate would, would go to any creative profession as we can see from the past, and it wasn't an issue at all. If you were to make it more vocational or focusing like what the ARBA says, um, a proposed part one, part two, part three be abolished and just have two parts or something like that, where uh, the first part could be coming from the uh, people who are like draftsmen from the industry. Um, that is trained, sort of like a diploma in architecture that is trained in a way now in practice and go into the second part and then they will get into to be, to be the architect. So we lose a lot in our creative industries. When there is all these things, you know, we can, we can look from when the, uh, the student of architecture came in the first year when they were from O levels or A levels, O levels to foundation, they're just secondary school uh, students who some of them may be going to community college or a vocational training and learn the trade and by that way enter architecture profession uh, or who are like technician and model makers and so on. Well, those were in the past, actually the model making, but we're looking at digital architecture proficiency so if they're coming from that direction and we're looking at it from that direction, we're not really going to solve the problem because if there is a problem that is needed to be solved, but we'll look, if we were to look from the ending part where you have a fashion designer, you have a film producer, you have an artist, you have um, a furniture designer, you have other related creatives, graphic designer, and then product designer, you have also the architect. Now, some people don't feel comfortable that the architect is in this group. But there are a lot of um, understanding that architecture is part of the creatives, yeah, the creative industry. And looking at the, the architect can also go to the other direction with the urban designer and urban planner and more into the engineering side and so on. So the inclination of the individual to um, apply their trade in certain uh, creatives, including architecture, is really up to the individual. But the um, education at the beginning, after secondary school, after O-levels or A-levels, is that 
university, the universe or the world that is at the age of uh, 18, to, uh, 20 to 22 or 23, where they discover, study about themselves and also a trade or study about the basics of a profession. So what is this creative profession? And the mother of all creativity, because architecture is part of arts and we have debated this before. It's part of the arts and humanities thread or uh, root rather than the scientific root. So because of that strength in the arts and humanities, hence the broad-based education, if the architect decided to be an engineer-oriented sort of um, tradesperson or um, profession, it is great, you know, but they have this basis of architecture discipline to help them see engineering in a different way, like Calatrava, sorry, Calatrava was sculpture. He was an engineer, right? And then he did art. But there were examples of this before. I mean, Buckminster Fuller and some others who, their understanding of art and art forms or architecture help them to actually look at engineering in a different way, rather than the engineer who doesn't have any arts and humanities background. So this diverse way, the, you know, a diverse way of thinking about what architecture is, is would help these people coming out of architecture school in the first degree see architecture as a parent or the mother of the arts and humanities and, um, and that satisfaction, feeling that they had a complete education, that they are confident to pursue um, whatever trades or, or, you know, whatever profession that they wish to pursue later on, academia or in the industry and so on, even researcher, they, they build up on their skills. So as a skills base, um, application, shall we say, uh, applied science or applied technology course because architecture is doesn't look like a discipline that is uh, set in stone like medicine or engineering you see so when you see the flexibility that architecture can afford but there is the backbone of it where certain things are learned and what are those certain things because when we talk about broad-based education um, yeah, Danziati would say, you know, they can do minor 30% and major 70% or minor 40%, major 60%. So where do they learn about architecture in the, in the major, so in the minor? And, you know, it's the flexibility that we need to, uh, to understand and accept about architecture uh, discipline. The fact that rooted in that flexibility is the knowledge of a lot of things to do with arts and humanities. And so when we leave architecture just as the discipline of graphic design, copywriting and graphic design and portfolio reviews and I'm designing your portfolio, if you're looking at graphic design or graphic art alone, it is not fair, it is not justified. You will look into fine arts. 
I mean, there's two things. There's many things in art, like graphic art or commercial art, then there is fine arts. So why aren't you looking at fine arts for architecture? Why, I mean, learning about fine arts, learning about uh, finding yourself, you are able to find yourself as somebody who appreciates the fine arts. And that has something to do with you being that architect that you're molding yourself to be eventually. That skill, that knowledge in fine arts or other discipline in arts and humanities. And the reading and literature, how is that important in architecture? How is the opening of the minds or learning about what other people think or other minds and thinkers important in architecture? Because architecture is a profession that deals with the verbal and the interaction, how shall we say, the dialogue and the narration and the stories. Because that's what architects' bread and butter is as well, to actually uh, provide justification and philosophically, Philosophically, it is what architecture is a philosophical, a philosophical endeavor. It is to do with the knowledge of seeing everything and able to weigh a lot of things and finding the right things. It is a profession that has to deal with making decisions for others and getting other people to be involved in knowing what is a debate, knowing what is a forum, the difference between those two and other forms of discourse. Now I say, what? Architecture is like literature? Yes, it is. And because of this skill that a student will acquire in the degree years, they're able to, to be able to see a lot of things, arguments, and able to see how philosophy is important in in, in their sense of being. So who is going to play that role? Who is going to fill that gap of the need of such a professional in uh, our society? The engineer doesn't do that. The computer engineer technologist, they don't do that. The, med uh, doc the medical profession doesn't do that. Lawyers don't do that. The developers or the uh, planners don't do that. So you need the architecture profession and to be like an educate, what do you call it, uh, a junk, a mediator or negotiator. That's what they do in the architecture industry or in the construction industry. That's what their role is. No more is it no more that the architect is the leader of the team. No more is it that the architect is talking on behalf of the, uh, or mediating between the client and the contractor. Of course, there's a different type of contracts now. And perhaps architects have to go and like, um, what do you call it, uh, accept their role in the profession or the construction industry. But there is also the dry and there is also the, the proper side. You know, like, how do you want things to be conducted? And that's what the architect is in the construction industry. We keep on going there. But you know that the first degree, from the first degree, that individual can be going into that profession, going to the construction industry, or they can be going into um, the side industries. So it's their inclinations. So what is the right formula 
for the first degree. So when we look back uh, in my, um, uh, when I went back to, to the final crit yesterday after a year of absence or not having any final or crits for a year, I get to see the person, the third year student, which is in between the, uh, the two years below and the two years above and which have they arrived at a point where they have the, the needed set of skills to go further. So when I look at them and the, the program, success of the program that the school did was based on whether this evidence of these students, the skills that they have, whether they're able to move forward. So the, it, it lies in the confidence that they show the confidence that they show, um, we don't be too hard on them because, um, because it depends on the training. If the training was very hard on them, then it could be very hardy and we can be very hard on them. So when we test the waters of how the students interact with us, we see that whether they're listening, whether they're, whether they're switching off, all four of them listen to us. They're trying to make to understand what we were saying. They want to be better. So that is a good indication of, of the program. But what is not a indica good indication, as I've seen before, is the giving up, the eye contact, the, um, the seemingly not wanting to learn, because that will mean that they have already uh, fixed their mind on a certain thing, a certain escape route from architecture. But if you were to concentrate fully to what is being said, that means architecture is still very relevant to you. Maybe you had doubts because sometimes it were very difficult, but it came across your mind to give up on architecture. But when somebody else said that, you know, please understand that you have the skills, but there are things that you didn't do. So at least they kept on at it. And the degree provided them that springboard to actually be confident of going into the industry and creative industries at the side, the construction or creative industries that is linked to architecture. So architecture, when you uh, change the first degree program to something that is likened to be more scientific or more engineering or more uh, to do with project management or more to do with architectural practice, you're not giving a good service for society. And that's why when you look, about, look at architecture programs all over the world, they seem to be thriving because there is a need for the industry or for the society of the architect. Whether the architect can survive, whether they can, they can manage themselves well to uh, negotiate life after the first degree or the second degree is really boils down to the effectiveness of the learning program and how they are they you know the, the the person the individual themselves whether they they um they're trying to find an escape route which means that there is other issues going on so so in this day and age architecture is still relevant architecture need to have that university you, you know, liberal arts base in order for them to be much more confident, much more uh, all round rather than just a um, 
some a vessel to be filled and regurgitate what the society demand, whether it's developer driven or whether the society is is uh, bent on a different way of how the architect should be. You can't do that to a human being. Just make them like a vessel to be to be learning and regurgitate or repeats. You know. Uh, repeat and rinse, repeat and rinse, you know, that that is not a profession. That is not a professional. That is not fitting for a university graduate. So go back to the roots of architecture in finding out what is the direction needed for Malaysian schools of architecture. And in that sense, I'm trying to conclude this part three to sort of uh, give us enough uh, thoughts in moving forward, further discussions, the nitty-gritty of things, and the reinforcement of certain opinions or perspectives of different people in the future. Watch out for the, this podcast. We shall have all this discourse and discussion in the future, and and see you soon in another episode. Thank you.